This is Authors in Focus. James Reed, fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. First of all, in my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany Nicole Terry. She's the author of Kingdom of Men, Sister Worlds, Book One. How are you doing today, Tiffany? I'm doing well for the end of my day. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh been a little bit of a weird day. I completely forgot about this interview because I haven't done one in like a month. <laughs> so I'm a little, uh, yeah, I kind of was like, oh yeah, got out of the habit of remembering I have to set these up. So yeah. I remembered in time. So that's always good. That's good. Just like riding a bicycle, right? You can right. Yeah. Just like that. So anyways, I like to start these out with a fun question or two. So uh, Tiffany, what is your favorite day of the week? Oh, Probably Friday. You know, it's that the work, because like, I have a full-time job, so my work kind of slows down. Everyone is just sort of ready for the weekend, and then once you're done, you're done. It's just this feeling of, okay, we have so much fun ahead of us. Like, I can just sit and plan what I'm going to do next now. I have worked a lot of full-time jobs, and I've never had a job where I had a weekend. <laughs> Oh, or if I did, it was never yeah. actually the weekend. Yeah, so it's yeah. always I usually um I usually had splits where you'd work a couple of days and have a day off and work a couple of more days and have a day off. Yep, I've I've been stuck in the corporate uh schlog for for as long as I can remember, since my super early twenties. So um holidays, weekends just become something that I I'm used to looking forward to. Yeah. You know, I worked a lot of minimum wage jobs, and there's only um, there's only two holidays. At a yeah. Job. They give you Thanksgiving and they give you Christmas. Mm-hmm. Then I worked a full-time job where, uh, you know, they worked every day of the year because of their transit. So there were times I worked even those holidays. Oh my gosh! Yeah, see, I was a um, I was a supervisor at Ross Dress for Less in college, and. I had to give up my football Sundays, and I had to give up my holidays, and I had to give up my weekends, and I just thought, I'm going to go out there and find a place to work where I don't have to give this stuff up, and then I ended up in the banking world, and the banking world gives you the most generous holidays. It's like, tooth, it's it's a toothpaste celebration day. You get off today, and it's like, <laughs> the, the trees are turning. You get off today. Like it's, it's no. Great. That's being a teacher. They get the most holidays. That's true. Like all summer long, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's my mom's cheese. <laughs> but then I have to listen to her in like the end of August complain about how she has to go back to work again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that. You did, uh, she gets like, you know, like late June to right after, right to like September because they, they have to start them before Labor Day, but like the students mm-hmm. don't show up for Labor Day. But yeah, so she's. It's a good like three months, two months of no work. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was that'd be hard to transition into. Okay, now I've got to get up early. Now I've got to go do work before and after school every day. Get ready for the kids, and then the drama. I can't imagine the drama that 
a room full of kids brings. I'm, I have two daughters and I'm a new stepmom to two additional daughters. And so I've got a house full of drama and I just cannot imagine what teachers go through on a day-to-day basis with, with a bunch of screaming, angry children. Well, yeah, she's special ed, so that's actually what she's, she's dealing with special needs kids. Mm. Yeah, bless her then. Bless her. Yeah, but it's not like she's, uh, she's mostly a job coach these days where she works more, or she more supervises them on their job sites and stuff a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. So it's, she's at the high school level. She used to, she started at the elementary school where, yeah, it was like that, where you had like a classroom of 20, 30 special needs kids. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's rough. But anyways, uh, let's talk about your writing. That's what we're actually here. Uh, <laughs> so, like, how long have you wanted to be an author, Tiffany? Um, I've been writing since I was in elementary school, and I always had a knack for it. So I was always the kid where, like, the teacher would read my stuff out loud as an example to the rest of the class. I've always been a little bit extra, as the kids call it nowadays, so I was a little theatrical for an introvert so I never said a word in class until it was time to get up and read something and then I read it as if I'd lived on a stage my entire life Um, and so the teachers all just really liked everything and then the way that I read things and and um, I mean I I even had you know some kids in high school call me Hemingway (laughs) from time to time whenever they would come to me for assistance with their essays and and I just kind of, I just, it was just a, a natural thing for me. And um, I went to college for writing. I got a professional writing degree, but I just never really felt that confident. And, you know, I was always sort of, you know, insecure and, you know, there was a lot of toxic trauma in my life. So I had just really low self-esteem and I just never thought I could, you know, write anything worth reading. So becoming an author to me just seemed super far fetched and like a fairy tale, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well I mean it's definitely scary. That first time you publish something to like, you know, the world mm-hmm. uh I mean it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I mean I don't know exactly how like if people who haven't really written like fiction, that's your own stuff. You really put a lot of yourself into it. It's very, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, it's you're kind of like, it's a very personal thing that you're sharing <laughs> to the world. Very um, personal. Hidden, hidden in your prose and your characters is, is all sorts of facets of you mm-hmm. that you probably never told anyone that you, that, uh, you know, you don't share with anyone, but you're putting it into your writing <laughs> and then you're sharing it to people who probably won't realize it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's scary. I never mm-hmm. showed any of my writing to anybody. Like, I wrote all through high school. Oh, and, yeah. And I never showed it to anybody. I showed it to some, like, select friends, right? And I, I didn't and even have the guts to show it to my friends. I didn't show it to my, oh, my parents. Yeah. Didn't show, it didn't show it to anybody. And they all knew but, I was writing, but I just never showed it to anyone. Yeah. It might be a different experience, too, for, you know, male versus female in that environment, you know. Uh, it was more that, um, well, I'm a very introvert, so I'm very shy. Yeah, and I I am too, but then I've I've learned how to be one of those extroverted introverts, especially in the corporate world where I have to do yeah, like going out. I I (laughs) my my, um I mean my first job 
I had it was a cashier, so you're always having to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Then I delivered pizza, so I, you have to go up to strange people's doors and mm-hmm. interact. So that that really did help to overcome all that intrinsic shyness. But like, if I don't have like something motivating me, like I just will not. I'll just be in the background uh, unless I'm, I know the people I'm with, right? Yeah, that's how it's been for me with marketing. Like now that my books are published, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you got to do TikTok and you got to do social media," and I just I feel, um, as the kids are saying, cringe now. Every time I put myself on a TikTok video, I just, it's so uncomfortable. I think that's because TikTok is inherently cringe. (laughs) So, of course, everyone on TikTok is cringe. So just just remember that. Everything on TikTok is cringe. So it's okay if you feel cringy about Um, it. Not to the kids. My kids are just, like, begging me to let them on it. And I'm like, absolutely not. You are not ready yet for this for this world. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they still sneak on the socials from time to time when they can get away with it. No, like, social media is, it, social media should, it's like um, the same reason we don't want, like, people whose brains aren't fully developed to drink alcohol. It does all the same dopamine messing with you that an undeveloped brain is not good for, right? Yeah, because yeah. it, it pushes all the same buttons that drinking, gambling, uh, all that stuff. It, so like, it's very bad for for kids. Mhm, mhm. Especially like a lot of the video with the the fake sort of videos and the. Yeah, but it, it's it's a lot, of, and it's it's not good, especially for girls. I've heard that's not good for their self esteem. Yeah, yeah. Even though I grew up without any of that stuff, and I still had terrible self esteem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like I understand. Like I think uh, I think these sort of problems are kind of like girls feel more pressure for that sort of um, social acceptance. I think than guys maybe do in in different ways. Anyways, like guys still feel that pressure. Yeah, I, I, I never, I, there definitely is a difference, right? And I think social media just exacerbates that problem for I know. for young people. And, I, and like, I don't know. Like, I think I, I'm only on social media because I have to be. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't touch it. But, yeah, it's uh, – but, like, you got to do that. You got to do – There's that's the thing. Like, I – it's like you took a, a creative – you got a degree in creative writing, right? Do you think I, it all paired yeah. you to actually, like, be a professional author? Um. Yeah. Sort of yes and sort of no. Like it taught um, you craft. I'm not gonna like it taught you craft. Right. But like yeah. it didn't teach you what to do with that craft, I should say, or what to do after you've done writing your story, right? Right. It's not like there's a like a line of of employers ready for you when you graduate. Yeah. With that, and that's why I actually got into the corporate world um, as a professional writer. I've been a communications manager for most of my career writing for executives so every time like an executive executive has to send out a you know a mass email um to all their employees or whenever we've got to write letters to our customers for one reason or another um like i just started taking over a lot of it until you know i worked my well myself into a communications manager position and i just um, and it's 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 so great because you can do that in any industry, like in any market, wherever you go. There's some executive who doesn't want to write their own emails, right? Fair <laughs> enough. There's someone that like doesn't if want I was an executive, I'd delegate as much stuff off my plate as mm-hmm. possible. Well, and they have to be they have to be careful about what they say too. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Everything yeah. gets out there, right? And yeah. it's, I mean, some leaders don't care if they're seen as 
complete dicks, but but most of them, uh, you know, do care. And I've warned a lot of them in the past, like, hey, this this just came up in the media, and this is how it impacts their stocks whenever they get caught saying something like this. So don't say this, right? Like, yeah. you gotta, you know, watch how you walk, talk, and and how you communicate. So yeah. Um, so I guess I guess my point was is um. I have an author friend and she's a, she got a, she got sort of, you know, creative writing degree from a local college. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, she put together me and another indie author and her. And when we spoke to like some of the creative writing classes about actual publishing and these poor kids had no idea about any of it. They were just staring at us dumbfounded at all like the stuff you have to learn. Yeah. But, and I'm like, you know, I just think like, hey, creative writing courses. You need to maybe teach them some business stuff because I really yeah. wish I had learned some business stuff. Yeah, well, I, think uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to college, but like, still, I wish I had learned some business stuff. I wish I had learned more business stuff too. Like, I, I totally get it. But I mean, because because I went to a four year, I did learn enough where I was able to like fake it till I made it in the sure. corporate world with the writing degree, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do think that helped me there. But as far as, yeah, becoming a published author, absolutely not. Like, and what's funny is, because I'm 41 now. So, like, if I had started and really had the proper education that was, like, here's the path to traditional publish. Here's the path to self-publish. Here's what you should do in order to get published, right? Like, if I had had those things explained and, you know, the the support groups that are out there now, like on Facebook and, you know, just the different groups that you can join and the information that you can get is so rich now. But that didn't really exist, you know, 25 years ago. But if it had, you know, or if the internet barely existed 25 years ago. Yeah. It's like if, if programs in college have been, you know, created in a way to help you become successful as an author and like shown you more than just, studying genres, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember in, in one of my classes, I literally read a Harry Potter book in college as part of my curriculum. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is the best degree, easiest degree ever. Like, this is ridiculous, right? It's almost a joke. <laughs> it was so fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I miss, like, Harry Potter just started coming out, right, when I graduated. Because we're the same age, right? I'm 40. Yeah, I'm 41. You're class of 99, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're the exact same age. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, I just started hearing about Harry Potter when, like, I graduated from high school, I believe. Yeah, so that's cool. Anyways, let's talk about your book. We've uh, we've been going for a while. Anyways, you, <laughs> you have this novel. It's called Kingdom of Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, dragons are extinct, and yet their war continues. It's a very, it's a very intriguing uh, hook. I just want to say that off your blurb. Hey, yeah. yeah. Because so, good blurb writing is great. But anyway, so we have this character named Kaylee. Is that correct? Kalia. Kalia. Mm-hmm. All right. Kalia. Mm-hmm. Found a, a weird object in the woods that causes her father to just run off. And so she's got to figure out what's going on and go help him out and uncover all sorts of fun fantasy stuff. So tell us yeah. about uh, Kalia, her story. What makes it such a great read? Oh, my gosh. So it's it's so hard to talk about the book because I don't want to give anything away. Right. So. Right. There, this is um, book one in the Sister Worlds trilogy, and all three books are done. They are available for people to binge read um, as soon as they desire. So the Kingdom of Men, we start on the first world. So there are two worlds 
um, that used to be one world that was inhabited by two species of dragons that warred all the time with each other. And finally, a magical dragon divides the planet to split these two feuding, you know, races, species of dragons apart. Like, knock it off, guys, right? And the dragons die out. But what they don't know is that humans have actually started to evolve on both of the planets. Uh, One planet becomes very traditional. One becomes very technologically advanced. And these worlds are going to come back together um, in a very violent way. And the three women that I base my three books on become like sisters as they try to save their worlds from the men, the machines, and the monsters who are hell-bent on tearing everything to pieces. They want to finish the war, basically, that these dragons started years and years and years before. That sounds like a really good premise. Sounds like an interesting setting. So tell us a little bit about, like, Kaylee, her personality. Like, what makes her um, a character to get invested in? Yeah, so Kalia, um, she grows up in a small village. She's raised by her father. Um, and her father is a total recluse, introvert, little narcissistic, doesn't really like people, and he's not very affectionate or loving. So... She doesn't fit in because she's never really been taught how to be girly girl, you know, and, and she knows how to fight. Um, so when the girls pick on her, she physically fights back. She's like, oh, hell no, you're not going to pull my hair, right? And so she just, she sort of becomes kind of an outcast in her own little village. Um, she's, but she's tough. She's sweet. She's a good person. And she discovers something in the woods right, you know, in the beginning of the book that is just it's a mystery object and she goes back to tell her father and he's almost like he's pissed off about it for some reason and the the kicker of everything is that she only found this object because a dragon spirit showed it to her was digging in the ground to unearth this thing and it sets off this you know string of events and and she she gets caught up in, in something that she didn't mean to get caught up on. And all she wants to do is just go find her dad and get back to her normal life in the village. And, of course, she can't do that um, because of some of the, the events that unfold. Um, and, and, you know, throughout the course, she does learn how to open up to people a little bit more. She does learn how to be a little bit girlier. You know, uh, and, and she finds out that she can be both, you know, feminine and strong, which is a very key theme for Kalia and also a key theme, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you kind of put yourself in in these books. You you put yourself in your writing. And, and I found that as I, you know, grew up over time that no matter how strong uh, you know, girls or women may be forced to be in their lives. They can also still be gentle and ask for help and, you know, and offer to help others. And um, so I just, it's a, it, they're, my characters come of age through this, right? All three of my females are really kind of figuring out who they are, how to help each other. And it's, it's, 
there's a really strong theme of building that sisterhood and standing with each other. And then it was also really important uh, because I do have some bad male characters in my books. I have some very, very uh, impressive, strong uh, male characters in my books because I I want the readers, especially readers who maybe have dealt with some trauma or, you know, some narcissism, some, some toxicity in their lives and families to kind of see what, okay, what does a good man look like? What's a good male role model? And how can my girl female characters choose the better path and, you know, not not go maybe for for the bad boy all the time? I'm not a fan of that uh, (laughs) of of that trope. Yeah, I I totally get that. No, I'm actually my current novel I'm writing. I have like like my main character. It's complicated, but his sister's a dragon. Um, We can just. It, there's cool. reasons. Yeah. Well, the dragons are just humans that got like cursed to be dragons, and so nice. you know it can prop up in the bloodline or whatever. Anyways, she's like she's like starting to get interested in this you know this really like barbarian guy like he's been like hanging out with like they're like adventurers and he's a very um yeah he's a very he's a very crass guy you know he's a very he's a he's kind of not like he's like a good friend but like. You wouldn't want your daughter to date this guy, right? Right. And she's like, "Oh, he's nice." He's like, "No, don't do that. That's not good." Oh, he's gosh. like, "He's like, man, he he must be yeah." So and she doesn't have a lot of experience with men, so yeah, this, so we'll have to see how that develops. But uh, yeah, he's my main character. Is not like, no, don't. That's not good. No. Yeah. <laughs> I like him, but I don't yeah. want him to date my sister. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds like a really great um good story and uh, it's always good like i mean showing the positives and the negatives of like all different aspects of humans right you yeah. want to have the positives you want i don't know at least that's my thing like you want to have characters that i don't know authors or readers can like be inspired by that's what like and i like to write like then put them into really terrible situations <laughs> so like they're borderline like grim dark situations but then they're also like hopeful characters so they're like almost bright hope at the same time, it's a very mixed of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to go to really dark places, but I also want to have, like, that. There's always that light. Yeah. But no matter yeah. how dark, like, the the sun's going to come up one day. That's yeah, kind of, like, my writing. Hope. Yeah. Mine is, so my books are young adult. Um, I'd say they're safe enough for middle grade. There's some violence, but it's not graphic. Um, you know, and it's, it, for me, it's happy ending, you know, all the way around. And yeah, my, I, I finally decided to write these books after, you know, years of being a writer and, and not really doing it. Um, because I, I did finally feel like I had a, a passion and I had a purpose in the stories where it's not just me telling a story about, you know, dragon spirits and, and these characters, but, there's like this underlying, I've seen some things and I've been through some things at this point in my life. And if I have had books like this when I was young adult, would I have made different decisions or would I, would I have connected things between myself and the character 
and, and, and seeing, oh, okay, I can make different decisions. I can make better decisions and safer decisions and still be a strong person and still be a feminine person and a good person. So for me, it was that drive of, I need, I kind of need to get these out here because even if I never become, you know, best selling author, because I still haven't figured out how to do that yet. Um, you know, at least maybe I can get these books in the hands of young girls, especially who need them, who need books like this. Yeah. To, no, I, you know, I yes, it's a story. Yes. It's an adventure. It communicates something to them. It helps them in some way. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, especially considering when we were kids, there wasn't anything called young adult. Like, that didn't start till like, Harry Potter. Right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. when I started suddenly this new genre called young adult. And I'm like, oh. It was just, like, fantasy, and they just threw everything into it. Yeah. And they just didn't care what you read because they're all like, oh, it's fantasy, whatever. The kid can read whatever. It could go so far. Oh, my gosh. Some of the fantasy books that I, like, accidentally read, <laughs> I was like, these are not young adult. Like, the blue aliens <laughs> having sex. And, and yeah. I'm, like, I was like, oh, my gosh. My, like, my if my parents knew what I was reading right now. <laughs> my grandmother gave me a book uh, by Piers Anthony that yeah. had lots of sex in it when I was yeah. in, like, when I was, like, in the seventh grade. Oh, uh, listen, yeah. like, I learned which books had those scenes. <laughs> listen, I've read a lot of terrible Anne Rice novels because of those scenes. Right. Not because the stories are pretty interesting to me. Like, I want, I want to go back to, like, so my, I think my first sort of clean young adult, you know, experience was L.J. Smith, The Night World series. Okay. And she never finished it. But, like, they started popping out when I was maybe, a, like, senior in high school around that time. And because I was driving myself to the store to buy them. So yeah, must have been yeah. around that time. And, and they were they were pretty clean, you know. They, but they were, they were, like, everything was soulmate this and, you know, meant to like, be magic that, you know. Yeah, like, I read um. Like, I mean, Redwall books, I think, they're counted as young adult these days, but they were just in the fantasy section. I read a bunch of those as a teenager, too. Those are those are definitely clean. They're just about, like, like rabbits and mice fighting rodents that are disgusting. And there's, like, <laughs> so it's just, like, yeah. And there's a lot of food in them. Like, oh, like just lots of food. But, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, if you'd like to let our listeners know where they can connect with you on the Internet, Tiffany. Yeah, so Tiffany Nicole Terry. People have called me TNT for my entire life, so you I can voted, find me. I voted huh? that. It's the, I, that's the first thing that came to my head. Uh, but, and I figured you probably heard that so much. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I love it when people call me TNT. So um, I, you can find me at tntauthor.com. And there are all my social media links, so you can see me making myself look ridiculous on TikTok. Um, and then also the links to my books with some descriptions, kind of talking about my characters. I also have three children's books that I wrote while I, with my children while I was going through a divorce. So um, they're very kind of impactful, deeper level children's books that are out there as well. Um, yeah, so tntauthor.com, you'll find any and everything and probably more than you want about me. 
Okay, thank you. Well, it was really great talking with you. Yeah, you too, James. Thanks. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com. And follow me on Twitter, at jmdread. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com and wherever your favorite podcast is hosted.